0: Well, good evening, Living Hope. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. I won't pass out, but if I do, please, Reese, don't give me mouth to mouth. Don't come near me. Don't come near me. <laughs> well, it's a great honor to be here. And uh, I just want to say to all of you Living Hope, first of all, as I walked in, it was an incredible welcome. This church is a great church. Come on, give you a round of applause. This is a great church. They're a great church. And Pastor Matt... You know, I got to watch you over the years in CCI. You used to do different events and obviously getting to know Reese, and getting to know Matthew, and getting to know you more. You're an amazing pastor and you're an amazing leader. And thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it. Come on, you be louder than that. Honour your pastor. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. And yes, I've come with a group of people from Lighthouse just happened to show up. I I try to get away from them, but they've come. Um, But uh, yeah, I'll honour my lead pastor, Jamie. Uh, he's also my big brother, uh, so I have to be careful what I say here. Um, but uh, many years ago, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, neither did Jamie. He was the first one to come to faith in our family. He was 16. And uh, my parents were so freaked out about him becoming, coming to faith, they kicked him out of the house. Um, so there was a couple of years in my life, Jamie wasn't there. Just as I got older, I realized, wow, maybe he's not that messed up. He became a Christian. And uh, long story short, uh, Jamie really invested in me. And I, when I was 16 years of age, an Easter Sunday in Lighthouse, I gave my life to Christ in a radical way, and so I'm thankful for my brother and my pastor and all the crew. We got a Julian here. Julian's uh, my brother-in-law, but uh, I was as I was youth pastoring in Lighthouse. Eulian Edge came off the street one night, looking for some food. Ended up finding Jesus, uh, great sustenance, and a wife, which is my sister-in-law. Um, but Eulian and I have been going back 10 years now, and he was one of the very first youth to get saved in my youth ministry. And now together with his wife, my sister-in-law, Rebecca, they're location pastor in Dundalk, as of this year. So isn't that amazing? Um, and my wife, you know, she's not here right now. Uh, she's actually in the hotel. We have, I have four daughters. Well, we have four daughters. I don't have them by myself. Uh, we have a seven-year-old who's called Hazel Grace, we have Zoe who's five, Isabella who's four, and Violet who is five months old. So Violet right now has got colic, so she decided to skip church tonight. I tried to pray over her, but it wasn't working. Um, but Sarah's just taking some time in the hotel, which sends her love uh, to all of you. And honestly, for many of you here, uh, coming up north, they come back home, because my mum is from the north. My dad's from the south, but my mom's from the north. I remember being a kid, always coming up through Belfast, up to Coleraine, to watch Northwest 200, to be with family. You know, I used to always love and come up here uh, as a child. And even come back here today, it's a great blessing. I just hope tonight that the word I have for you will encourage you, uh, will challenge you, uh, will give you some help, but most importantly, give you some hope. So I'm going to pray, then we're going to get into the message. Amen. So Father, I thank you, Lord. As your word goes forth, it lands in the hearts of all people, Lord. I pray, God, tonight, as we open up our minds and our hands and our hearts and our, and our soul to you, I, I just pray, God, may your will be done tonight. Father, you know every person and what they've walked in with. You know what they're going through, God. You know what they're battling. You know their greatest fears, God. You know their greatest worries. But tonight, Father, as, as we're all sons and daughters of God in this place, I pray Holy Spirit minister. Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, convict. Holy Spirit, challenge, Lord. Use me as a broken vessel, God, to lead your people back to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. amen. So tonight I've titled my message, Fear Factor fear factor. I don't know if you remember this, there was a TV show back in the early 2000s called The Fear Factor where they would pay someone a lot of money to face their phobia. So like you know your fears and you know your phobia. How much money would it cost for you to face your phobia? Maybe it's spiders, uh, maybe it's tight spaces. Uh, Apparently there's such a thing called a phobia of balloons bursting. Maybe you're in here, I'm not going to judge you. Uh, But I remember watching this TV show thinking, man, people will go to all lengths to try get some money, but still, you could offer someone a million pounds, or you know, as as many much money as they can get, but still, they wouldn't take away because the fear was so strong. It was so big in their lives. No matter how much money you would give to them, they were afraid uh, to face it. And uh, as growing up, um, I actually didn't know what the language for this was, but I actually had a phobia of escalators. Yeah, you can let one person laugh. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, it's a true story. It's <laughs> not a joke. Like, I, I actually fell down an escalator when I was younger. And so when I started dating my wife, Sarah, and we would go down these escalators, I would always step aside, try to be a gentleman, let her go first. But I'd be like, uh, I'd be like really afraid. I just had this fear. And actually, I Googled the fear. And it's actually called escalophobia. It's actually a real thing. There are people out there who are afraid of escalators. And I have found freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen. I no longer, because I take the elevator instead. <laughs> but, um... No, but see, we all understand fears. No matter your Christian background, no matter how long you're a Christ follower, um, no matter what you're going through, we all understand the tension of fears, there's funny fears. There's fears, like for example, I, I bath my daughters and, and one night, you know, I, I, I pulled the plug in the bath and they're still in there and they all freaked out. Like, I mean, they started to roar and cry. And I was like, what is going on with my daughters? Like, I'm just trying to get them out of the bath. That happened for a couple of nights. And I went to Sarah, I said, Sarah, like, whenever I pl- pull the plug in the bath and they're still in it, they freak out. Like, they get so upset, like so, like they're clinging on to me as, as if they're gonna, like a dream's gonna suck them down, right? And then Sarah goes, yeah, they watched that movie, Mary Poppins. And we're in the bath, they go through the thing, so they think they're going to go through, like, I didn't know that. I didn't, I, I'm the, I'm the girls, so come on, be strong. Like, Jesus is your encourager, you go, don't be afraid, they're freaking out. So anyway, there's funny fears, there's fears that we all understand that are funny, but the reality is, fear is real. Fear is real for most people. There are people in this room who have been gripped by fear. Fear has stopped you, fear has prevented you from loving or from being loved. Fear has gotten away from taking that step for God. Fear has has made you second guess yourself and your identity. Maybe there were things that happened to you, different circumstances. Maybe it was a mistake or maybe it was a regret. And because of that, there was fear that's now gone into your life and now it's affected you in so many ways. And here's here's the the Collins Dictionary uh, uh, work definition for fear. Fear is the unpleasant feeling you have when you think that you're in danger. There's something about fear in a good way that stops us from doing things that are stupid. Again, I have small kids. I love cooking, so they love coming alongside me at the cooker on their little stools. But very quickly they realized, if you stay here, you're going to get burnt, right? If you, if you stay around, if you stay in this kitchen, you're going to get burnt. My Alice Hazel Grace learned that very quickly. She got a little bit of water splashed on her arm and she cried for hours. I felt so bad as a parent. Now guess what? She's not going near there anymore. His girl's not going near that counter, that, that stove, because she, she knows it's so hot. When I was a child in the car, I thought it would be a good idea to stick my thumb in a cigarette lighter. Twice. So I had two <laughs> bubble thumbs. I forget my father going, What happened to you? I just wanted to see if it was hot. And he asked me, Did you lick it? No, I did not, I promise. But so there's fears that are there to help and protect us, that inside of us there's that like fight or flight, there's that innate sense of if something's going wrong, you've got to be afraid. It's there to help us. But So we all know that, but reality is there are other fears that are not helping us. Rather, they're hindering us, they are getting in the way, and for many of you, it actually makes you feel like you're in danger. And you're thinking, Sam, why would I take the step for God or of faith? Because I'm afraid, because the last time I did that, it didn't end up too good last minute that, it caused me pain. It caused me, uh, you know, mistrust, a, a broken heart. I lost a business. I lost a loved one. I lost a friend. Or I stopped reading my Bible for a while. Why would I do that? And fear has this incredible ability to grip us, to grip you, to paralyze you, to stop you in your tracks. I've seen people with great callings and great anointings and, and great destinies that God has given them. But because of fear, it has stopped them. It has gripped them. It has paralyze them they wonder if you're here tonight and you're going through the motions of life you're doing a thing called christianity but really inside you're you're stuck something's gripping you something has a firm hold on you and and you can't take that step so it's stopping you fear has this incredible ability to get in the way of us and god And we live in a a society where people always challenge you, oh, be optimistic or be pessimistic or which one are you, half glass, no, half glass full or half glass empty. But reality is when you have fear in your life, you're always going to think worst case scenario. Whenever I pass or someone, whenever I talk someone through their journey, whenever I hear them say, but Sam, what if, what if I make this, take this decision or this step, what what about that? Or what if, what if, what if, when I hear what if, what I hear is fears talking. What if God doesn't come true, Sam? What if God doesn't heal my mother? What if God doesn't make that happen? What if, and I go away, letting fear talk. Seems like you've already made your decision. It seems like someone's already got a hold of your heart. It's gripped you, it's paralyzed you, and it's stopping you. Now, what we do is spiritual, right? We have God, and we have an enemy. His name is Satan. And he does a good job on this. Even in my life, I know man, all I've got to do is come into my life, sow some seeds of doubt and fear. Like, Sam, why would you go speak Good Living Hope Church? Who are you? You're just a young man who doesn't have it all together. Been this water fast for the last 21 days. I literally become water. Like, wh- wh- who do you think you are? And easily I could accept that narrative and go, do you know what, yeah, I shouldn't be here. Or yeah, do you know what, I'm not able. Or do you know what, I'm not worthy. But if fear has that. Ability and and Satan uses it as a tactic to destroy the things God has for you. Jesus says the enemy has come to what? Steal, kill and destroy. And one of the primary ways he uses that is by fear. Satan knows as long as he sows fear into your life, you're fine. As long as you live with fear or live in fear or live because of fear, the enemy is not going to be worried about you. Why? Because fear is has gotten in the way. Satan is the father of lies. He, he, he speaks lies over you every single day. You are, your, you, you are your worst sin. You are your worst mistake. You are not that person who God has called you to be. You're not a child of God. You're an orphan. No one loves you. No one cares about you. There are no plans for you. You will die and no one will remember you ever again. And very quickly we can, can believe these thoughts. This can become our identities. And very quickly, those fears, what were once here, are now here. And are once in our hearts, are now in our hands. And before we know it, we're not living out the life that God has called us to live. So, if that is the reality, how can we have an overcoming faith then, Sam, in the face of overwhelming fear? And everyone can relate to overwhelming fear. There are some points in your life, maybe now, you are going through overwhelming stuff. And it might feel like it's personal and you're lonely and no one understands you. And and you don't know, you can't see the end of the tunnel. It feels like you're just trying to figure this whole life thing out, Christianity. But you're facing some overwhelming things. Maybe you're facing some overwhelming fears. Where the question I want to ask us tonight is, how can we have an overcoming faith in the face of... Of overwhelming fear. So you brought your Bible with you. We're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 8 verses 23 to 27. So the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 8 verses 23 to 27. As you're getting your uh, Bible out. I want to give you some context to what's happening in this passage. Up until this point. Jesus' disciples have already been on this journey with him. Watching him do miracle after miracle after miracle. Obviously you're very aware if you're here and you come to church. You're, you are very aware of all the stories of Jesus' miracles in Scripture. And when we read them, we're like, oh my goodness, that really happened. That little girl really raised from the dead. Or that person's eyes were opened. Or those who were lame could walk. Or those who had leprosy were healed. Oh, God, oh you know what I mean? Jesus fed the 5,000. Wow. We read that and we go, wow. But imagine being one of Jesus' disciples. Surely their faith should have been strong. Surely they were so convinced that the man that they walked with, whose name was Jesus, that he was able to do anything. Nothing was impossible for this man named Jesus. You would assume this was their natural disposition. You would assume this is how they were to live their life in proximity to Jesus. This is why I actually love this passage of Scripture, because what we see is we get a behind-the-curtain view of, of the humanity of the disciples. Because we forget this often. Like, Jesus' followers were as human as you and I. Probably even more as messed up as you and I. And they're trying to navigate Jesus in the flesh, himself, and the persecution. And then the reality of him possibly being the Messiah. And he dies. And, like, is he coming back? And he does come back. Oh, that's a great game of hide-and-go-seek. He came back. And then he's there. And, like, okay, everything he said now has come to pass. It is true that he is the Messiah. And we have the gift of looking back in scripture and seeing the full picture. But back then they didn't have this. They didn't have this. So in chapter 8 of the, uh, in the book of uh, Gospel of Matthew. I already want to look at the disciples and their fear. And how Jesus confronted them and helped them through that time. So Matthew 8 verse 23, 27. Then he, Jesus, got into the boat. And his disciples followed him. Then he, Jesus, got into the boat. And his disciples followed Followed him. So Jesus was now retreating from his ministry. There were, he had a busy time performing miracles. There were some people following. There were a lot of crowds. So he decided to get into the boat. This was his way of transporting from one part of the, of the area he was into the other without getting caught up in the crowds. And of course, the disciples followed him. Now, the key word here is follow because they weren't forced to get into the boat with Jesus, they weren't manipulated, they weren't coerced. They willingly followed Christ into the boat. They said, okay, I'm getting this boat because Christ, you're going. I'm going with you. This is what Christianity means. Christianity means that we follow Christ no matter what. If Christ says, on, we're going on a boat, we're going, okay? Right, so, so is this, the, only to give context, this is so important because they willingly got in the boat with Christ, okay, knowing that wherever he was going, which they probably didn't know, they were going to follow him. In verse 24, everyone says suddenly. suddenly. A furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over The boat. I love that word suddenly. Isn't life fantastic when everything seems to go well, then suddenly something happens? Sickness. Cancer diagnosis. A bad report. Your car breaks down. Your other car breaks down. The boiler bursts. The washing machine stops working. The dryer goes on fire. Gone all night. It's like suddenly everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. And this moment, the the, the followers were were, were in the boat with Jesus, and Jesus was tired, and all of a sudden, suddenly, this furious storm, without warning, had come. Top of them. This furious storm had had rattled them, had shaken them to a point where it says in Scripture, it was furious. Again, we all can relate to what it means to go through a furious storm in life. Maybe you're going through, uh, through one right now. You're experiencing a furious storm right now. It says, Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over the boat. Have you ever gone on a, on a ferry, maybe to Scotland or to the UK, or, uh, you know, and do you ever get like, a bit of seasick and the waves are crashing? You know, it, you feel really unwell, but aren't you glad you're like in a stenoline or, a, you know, aren't you just like, we're safe? Can you just imagine being on a little boat in, that, uh, in, that, in, in the ocean? Those waves coming left and right, tossing us uh, left and right. And we're get we get, obviously getting the ferry, we're safe. But these disciples were in a boat that was not stand Didn't have you know a nice cozy chair and BBC to watch sports on. It was literally on a lake that was crazy and had a lot of winds and a lot of storms. And this storm, this, these waves swept over the boat. And in Greek, if you actually study the word swept, and, and, and waves, you see it's called klepto, which means to engulf or completely cover. So what, what we're seeing here, these waves were so big. These waves were so strong. They were so furious that they were actually covering the entire boat. To the point where these men were fearing for their lives. They actually, they actually began to become afraid. And now, again, context, most of these men were experienced fishermen. They, they would have understood... No, the waters, the, the times, the seasons, they would have had some protocols on how to handle such a storm. But this was so furious. It was so big. The waves were, were, were humongous. It actually engulfed, it covered the entire uh, group of disciples. The boat was surrounded by so much water to the point where they became overwhelmed. And being overwhelmed is a, is a serious thing. Because in life we can become overwhelmed by things. Life can crash waves over us all the time. I and mean, we can we become so overwhelmed, then all of a sudden fear right comes in. Because when you feel overwhelmed, what happens is you feel like you don't have control. You're actually out of control. You've lost control. And you're trying to cling on to dear life to find some control, but you can't. And you're worrying, and you're, and you're, you're trying to do things in your own strength, or you're trying to just react in the moment, but nothing's happening. You're losing your footing. You can't see God, you can't hear God, you can't really sense your direction, something's going on where you are overwhelmed. And it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter the stage of Christianity you're in, as human beings we can all become overwhelmed. Our first daughter, Hazel Grace, um, she was born 30 weeks premature. She was born just under uh, uh, two pounds. And she was really small. And for us, we were in ICU for nearly two months. And twice we were told by doctors she might not make it. This is our first daughter. I'm like, God, I, we were so excited. We were so prepared. We thought it was going to be great. And this happens suddenly, without warning. We weren't ready to be parents, first-time parents, first of all. But I didn't have to have a baby like this. And just experienced the, 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 the tragedy and the turmoil, and seeing other people's babies—other uh, no, other babies in ICU—passing away, and our baby being there, and she was so small, and she was fighting, and she was fighting, and she was fighting. And by the grace of God, she is well, and she is healthy. Amen. And she's doing good. But tell you though, I felt so overwhelmed. I, and I, I looked to the doctors to give me clarity. Right? The nurses, come on, tell me, please. And they're like, "We've got to wait." For what? it has got to wait for her to get better. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget then that moment. Say, okay, I'm going to God. Yeah. I, I, I have to lean into God now more than ever. Because without, without Him, I, I cannot do this thing. Uh, I'm a man of God. I'm a pastor. Sure, surely I should be protected. No, no, no. We're human. Yeah. We all face mm-hmm. fear. We all have fears. Yeah. We all can become overwhelmed. So Jesus' disciples were overwhelmed. And in verse 24b, it says here, but Jesus was sleeping. Now, maybe he was a great sleeper. <laughs> He's one of those people who sleeps through all his alarms. You ever find those people? <laughs> maybe he was a great sleeper. But there were big waves. Remember that word, klepto? Like it was engulfed and it was covering the boat. Jesus was not intimidated or overwhelmed by this storm. And the Bible tells us this very key detail that Jesus... Was asleep. Everyone else was crazy. Everyone else was going me- mental. They were all overwhelmed. Freaking out. Trying to do all their standard operating procedures sailors. To make sure the ship doesn't capsize and they don't die. And where's Jesus? Asleep. Having a snooze. It's like me in a Sunday after church. All my kids are going crazy. I'm asleep. <laughs> Nothing can wake me. There can be storms. I'm not waking up. But I love this because it really gives us insight to the identity, and the power of who Christ is. Mm -hmm. But I want to say one thing to someone here in this room. For disciples, perhaps because Jesus was asleep, they felt like He didn't care. And maybe you're here tonight because your fear is that Jesus or God is asleep on you. Perhaps God has gone absent on you. Perhaps you you haven 't heard God, perhaps you haven 't sensed God, perhaps you haven 't had a time or that, that feeling like before with God, remember you got saved, remember that time you got saved, remember that fire inside of you, the passion, the excitement, the belief, the faith to sense God in your life, but now like you 're thinking i can 't feel God i don 't know if he 's here. I want to say god 's silence does not equate to god 's absence it's good. It's good. Yeah. maybe, maybe. He is silent, but he's not absent. He's near to you. He's closer than you know. But God's silence does not mean he is absent. And maybe you're going through your storm right now. And you may may feel like he's sleeping, but he has you exactly where he wants you. And he is right with you. So, verse 25. The the disciples went home went and woke him saying, Lord, 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 save us. We're going to drown. They were panicking. They were afraid. They were going. They were freaking out. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were experienced which might not forget. They thought they knew what, was, what, what what to do, but they were losing control, and they woke Jesus. And I wonder often when I read this, and I just 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 wonder, was Jesus their first response or their last resort? Because. If I'm a sailor fisherman and my Messiah or my rabbi is asleep, I'm going to go, I'm not going to bother him right now. I'm going to try to fix this myself. So the first response is to depend on my own logic, past experiences or whatever. But you're actually forgetting that God is in the boat with you. And it came to probably a point for them where they realized this storm is so big, so furious, so strong. We have no other option than to wake Jesus and often we we get into trouble in our life spiritually and in general when God becomes our last resort when Christ becomes our last not our first option but our last resort and I just wonder tonight in this scripture as we think about that about your life has God become a last resort a break glass in case of emergency God And perhaps is there a connection to why you're having so much fear or you're gripped by it? Why? Because Jesus is always the last resort, not the first response. Verse 26 says, he, Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you afraid? Now, when Jesus says this, I've got to remember the context. Because before this chapter, Jesus' disciples have walked with him. I've seen them do miracle after miracle after miracle. Surely they should not be afraid, right? Come on, church. Surely they should have been convinced that they weren't going to die or perish. Surely they had faith in Jesus. But they wake them and he says, you of little faith, why are you afraid? And he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm was completely calm what we see here is that Jesus didn't rebuke their disturbance he rebuked their disbelief in him because he said you've seen what I've done you know what I'm capable of still you have little faith why are you afraid I believe God's asking someone tonight in this place my son, my daughter are you so afraid Where is your faith? What has gripped you? What has gotten the way of that passion that you once had? What has gotten the way of that belief that you had in Christ that anything was possible? And by the power of his word, the storm became calm. See, there are so many storms happening in our lives. And by the power of Christ's word, it can become completely calm we're to allow it we're allow God to enter into our mess into our storms into our fears it's the power of his word and if you're not reading God's word that's something that's going to affect you because God's word is power to us amen church yeah. it helps us through every situation and circumstance yes. we have access to his word every moment, every day not last resort but first response In verse 27. These men were amazed. And they asked. What kind of man is this? Even the winds. And the waves. Obey him. Who is Jesus to you? Is Jesus the kind of Messiah. Savior. Who has the power and capacity. With one word to say. Stop. To the storms in your life. Or is he some. Nice character character figure in your life that you kind of depend on whenever you feel good. But really, do you believe that Jesus has the power to help you overcome every storm, every trial, every situation, church? Who is Jesus to you? And how are your fears getting in the way of that? Because my Jesus, and my verse says, scripture is here, that Jesus is able to stand up in the middle of a storm and say, be still. Be calm. We sang a song there. Said, "I am no longer a slave to fear." When you read this, you say, "You know what? I have no reason to fear." Yeah. Bible says, "Perfect love casts out all fear." Yeah. Who is Jesus to you? Yeah. Yeah. Is he your Lord and is he your Savior? Okay. Not someone you look to, or you post on Instagram or Facebook, or, or often just or you, you pray a prayer whenever you want to. Is he in the steering wheel of your life? Is he in the Is he in the driver's seat? Like leading you through every situation. Who is Jesus for you? Because reality is Jesus wants us to trust in him fully. That's what faith means. Faith means that you'll get in a boat. Faith means you'll go through the storms. Faith means you will be overwhelmed. Faith means you will have fears. But having faith says, you know what? My God, my Jesus is bigger than the storm. Bigger than the fear. Bigger than the obstacle. Despite our fears We choose to put our hope in Jesus And we hand over all our fears Despite our fears No matter what you're facing And you know what you will face And you'll constantly keep facing Obstacles of life But faith gives us ability To trust in Jesus no matter what And to hand over everything that is not in our control As you leave here tonight Wherever you're holding on to Whatever is weighing you down Whatever is pulling you back leave it here yeah, yeah. leave it at the altar yeah. Yeah. leave it with Jesus why are you afraid? so, as like, end the message how do I have an overcoming faith? three points for taking notes number one trust that Jesus is bigger than your fears yeah. Yeah. trust the very seat that you sit on you put a lot of trust that that chair is holding you, right? let me ask you, did you second guess it? did you go oh? oh no. Not gonna hold me. Now you sat on it knowing this chair has you 110%. Yeah. But fear can be chest test every chair. Test every chair in the room. Because one time I fell off a chair and everyone laughed at me. Now I have a fear of sitting down in public. Imagine. But actually, what we want to do tonight is we going to trust Jesus that He is bigger than our fears. That He's got you. He's a supplier of all your needs. Everything you need is in Him. Number two, let go. Let go of the lies of Satan. Let go of the baggage of the past. Let go of your anxieties. Let go of the things that are pulling you. Let let go of those things. Let go of those people. Maybe there's people in your life that are pulling you back. They're reminding you of who who you once were. Maybe they're the ones that are instilling fear into your life. Let go of them. They're not good to you. They're not helping you. Don't let Satan hold you back. Number three, live with a confidence that all you need is faith in Jesus. Live with a confidence. Make the decision, no matter what comes your way, you have this faith, this audacity to believe. Despite my challenges, despite the overwhelming fears that I face in this world, my God is bigger. Jesus is able I have the Holy Spirit I have the Word of God I have the church I am called I am set apart I'm anointed used by God when you go back to your workplace you go back to your school you go back to your family back to your non-Christian friends non-Christian people in your community you're gonna say Do you know what I have a message to carry one of life and hope and grace and mercy and truth I'm gonna carry despite my fears I'm gonna carry with a confidence if God can use me he can use anybody live it out live with a confidence be brave be bold stand up to your fears bring God's word into it and say fears you are, you are lying that's a lie God's word is the truth Amen let's pray Father I thank you Lord for your word, that it is alive and active. I thank you, Father. Just even reading this passage, we see the humanity of the disciples and what they went through with their fears of potentially losing their lives. But Father, this, just for a second, they forgot who was in the boat with them. It was you. And I pray, God, tonight for everyone if not one person that the revelation that we receive tonight is this no matter how great the storm is around me no matter how turbulent it may feel no matter how big the waves of life may come at me i'm in the boat with christ he is in my life and he has the power and the authority to say be still I pray, God, tonight that and hope would know that your perfect love casts out all fear. And we rest in your love. We know you are able. You are greater than our fears. You are greater than our worries. You are greater than all. We love you now. In Jesus' name, amen.